Welcome to all of you. It's a great honor and blessing to have all of you gathered here in this room by looking at your faces and into your eyes and seeing the light of your souls. I see that these are all very special, very deep seekers who have come together tonight. And we're living in a very special time, as I'm sure you all know. In which the urgency of our awakening and our illumination and our liberation from the bondages of the ego is an essential achievement for ourselves and for our dear planet. I don't need to say too much tonight because the previous two speakers have so eloquently expressed the ideas of what our school is about, what our ashram project is about, our general vision. And our school has progressed to a point where I am no longer so necessary as a teacher of the knowledge. Most of the basic knowledge has been passed on to the serious students who are becoming disciples of Satyoga. And the work now is to focus on the practice itself, on really reaching the inner silence. And I'm working much more deeply with those who are serious enough to enter into the path of discipleship so that they may learn the real subtleties and nuances of how the soul emerges into the higher level of spirit, or Atman, and how one lets go not only of the body consciousness, the identification with the physical form, but even with the identification with the soul. That too must be released so that one returns to that state of pure spirit, the Holy Spirit. And this can be done only by this practice that we do that is part of the timeless practice in all the great spiritual traditions of silencing the chattering ego mind and turning inward to the source of our consciousness. And in that inner silence, achieving union with the divine light, the divine love, the bliss of the Supreme Presence. And this is open to all of us to achieve at any moment. As Radha said, the only obstacles are our own conflicts about whether or not we wish to achieve liberation. And when those conflicts have been resolved, in favor of God over the egoic mirage, in favor of freedom over the enslavement, as that beautiful mural showed us, to the hardened egoic life patterns and pleasures that only bring suffering, 
It is instantaneous. And so our real job is to become more and more conscious at every moment of who we really are. And letting go of the superficial identifications we have with name and form, with the biological level of life, even with the biographical level of life, even with the intellectual and conceptual level of life, until we reach the source. And in that state, there are no longer any questions. There are no longer philosophical arguments about the nature of reality. We realize that there aren't many different religions in the world, but that all the different paths are simply different terminologies for achieving the ultimate oneness. And we can let go of the intellectual hair-splitting and the attempt to differentiate ourselves and our belief systems and positions from other people and all the other egoic games that we play, even at a subtle level. And most of all, we are then able to open our hearts fully. More fully than we have imagined that it is possible to open our hearts. Not only in self-forgiveness, for many of us carry a sense of guilt and shame, not only from earlier in this life, but for other lifetimes. And when we have resolved all of those issues and let go of our fears, our confusions, and our, our desires that we have long known better than to follow, but still, nonetheless, have fallen into. At that moment of self-mastery, the door opens and one enters the supreme dimension in which all egoic selfhood falls away. And that's what we're here to achieve. And doing it together as a community, as a sangha of souls who are committed to that endeavor. It's a very rare thing, but it gives tremendous strength because by coming together we create an energy field that is so powerful in itself that it enables us to wash away the sins the lower attitudes, the senses of guilt and shame that we've carried. It's like a baptism in the light, the fire of God's presence. And we create such a a lake of fire for one another by coming together in that spirit of divine love. And so each satsang that we hold is an effort to create such an energy field together. We're not here just to spew a lot of words at you. We're here to come together 
so that all of our lights reach the maximum radiance. And we can bathe one another in this divine love that is the only healing power in the world. And forgive ourselves and each other and this whole misguided world and enable ourselves to be worthy of being co-creators to bring a new world, a new age, a new hope, a new destiny to the human spirit and to all nature and to join the cosmos in a higher octave of consciousness. And although, as Radha said, it, it is clear that meditation is often not enough, quote-unquote, because of our own obstacles and conflicts and fears, we have a fear even of bliss, you know. We have a fear of love. We have a fear of being boundless and formless and open. We have a fear of being fearless. And so processing and working through these issues that we often don't even know that we have until we hit a very subtle wall in our process need to be dealt with. And, and that's where a guide can be very useful. And in the guidance we do here, we work through many ways, and one of them is helping you interpret your dreams, because as you may know, dreams are messages from the Atman, from the higher consciousness, to help us to understand exactly where we are in the labyrinth of the unconscious mind and to show us the way out. But we have to become very astute dream interpreters. And so there is guidance in that process. We also find that messages come to us in the form of pain, bodily pain, suffering, karma. And if we can accurately interpret these symptoms of suffering and find out what their messages are and what their root is, then also we can more easily free ourselves. And there are many other ways and techniques, of course, that we employ both in one-to-one and in group work to help to liberate ourselves from the traps we don't even know yet that we're in. And the more committed we are to such a path, the more deeply we're able to go, the more gets revealed to us. And so the path becomes more and more fascinating, more interesting. Because most people, if they were candid, and we asked about them, they would say, you know, I'm a very boring person. There isn't much to me. You know, I might put up a brave front, but actually there's not much behind there. But it's not true. There are infinite depths to every one of you, but you haven't tapped into them. Some of you have, but those who have that still that feeling that what you see is what you get haven't dived deeply enough into your souls. And one easy way to discover that richness is to simply pay attention to your dreams and they will guide you to layers and layers of depth in your being that you may not have known existed but that the Spirit is giving you images of in order to begin to relate to. 
and to understand yourself and your relationship to the world, the cosmos, to God, in the most profound way. It is also true that the path of service, karma yoga, is important. Because the more selflessly we act, the more we act not for the ego's pleasures, but for, to serve others, the more we sacrifice what we might want in order to help the community, to help the world, that act of service opens the heart and creates new sanskaras or new patterns of behavior and thought that also open us to the divine. In the Buddhist traditions, they say we accumulate merit. But what we are really doing is shifting our whole paradigm of reality and opening to the divine self within. In the recognition that we are all one. And in my service of you, I am serving the self. Because the self, the same one self, is in all of us. And if anyone is suffering, then I am suffering. And once we reach that understanding, then there's no more competitiveness, there's no more one-upmanship, there's no more envy, no more greed, no more trying to hold on to what one individual has, but to share, because the great gift is really in sharing and giving, not in holding on. Once we learn that, then we discover that we can give not only from a personal center and personal assets, but we become a vehicle, a medium, in which the gifts of the cosmic self can be given through this mind and body. But first, before we can achieve that, we must be centered in the heart and in the center of our consciousness so that we can be connected to the source. Without that connection, the ego mind will deceive us, distort our thinking, and will create barriers between the self and the higher wisdom and the higher love and the, the light itself. And so the practice of Sat Yoga meditation, which is the same practice as you will find in the esoteric levels of the other traditions, Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, Taoist, alchemy, the ancient Egyptian practices, they, they all have the same source, the same root, the same ultimate practice. Does not involve any techniques does not involve repeating a mantra, does not involve staring at a candle flame, does not involve having to do anything because what we are realizing in this state of meditation, in this one core act that we perform, is that we are not doers. We are witnesses. We are pure awareness. And so it is the act of being the word sat means being. It is the absolute being. The being of God, the Supreme Self. And it is simply the act, yoga, union, realization that we are that. 
But that requires, in the beginning, a tremendous amount of attention, concentrated attention, and absolute willpower directed to the source, to the ground of our being. And that is what we must keep. It is that current of attention. It provides a, a link, a psychic link with the source that eventually will met, magnetically draw us and it won't require any effort. The effort is only in the beginning to break through our own resistances. And then we realize that we are the very source we are connecting with and then the flow to the source is effortless. And then after that, everything is effortless. But in the beginning, because of the gravity of the ego and its pull, its downward pull, its death drive, back toward the identification with matter rather than with light, is a battle. And we must be warriors to win that battle, to overcome the negative and limited thoughts of the mind. So the mind must be silenced. We must refuse to think. We must go on a fast, a thought fast, Meditation is not a time to chatter. It's not a time even to have great philosophical insights. But it's a time to release yourself from the mind, from the rational mind, the mind that is outwardly, externally focused in this plane of the maya, the illusion, and bring the powers of mind back to the source. And the key to achieving this is simply to desire, to be, to truly be. This is why we recall Hamlet's great question, you know, in Shakespeare's play, to be or not to be. That is the question. But it can't be answered in words. It can only be answered through the act of being. 